Matthew chapter 20, as we continue in this series, stories of the kingdom, just singing about God's never-ending kingdom, the one that's been offered in the Gospels, has now been delayed because of rejection of that kingdom, and is now here spiritually in the hearts of those who enter into the kingdom by way of the Son, Jesus, and is one day in its fullness here on earth through the Son, Jesus Christ, with all the saints that will rule and reign with him on a renewed earth that we will live in with Jesus Christ as King. So as we continue in this, let me ask you this question. Do you love generosity? Do you love generosity? What about, though, when someone is shown generosity that has worked less than you have? What about someone who you perceive to be less worthy than you do is shown generosity just as much as you are? Do you love it as much then? Just imagine for a moment that you've been at your company for 20 years. You've worked very hard in your company. You've got an MBA, and uh, things are going really well for you, and everyone has noticed what a great job you're doing, and you've been promoted now to one of the vice presidents of your company. A pretty big deal. And what comes with that is some great benefits and a hefty salary that you are really excited about. And so now you've been coming and you've been getting this new salary and this new position and you sit down with the board and you look at the budget for the upcoming year. And as you're looking through, you notice something that brings you to a pause. You say, huh, why is it that the entry-level mailroom guy with no education is getting the same salary that I am? That would make you stop and go, ho, 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 wait a minute! That's not fair. Now, did your salary change? No. You're still getting exactly what was promised to you, but all of a sudden, the generosity doesn't seem the same, does it? Because someone who is less worthy than you, someone who has worked not as hard as you have, is getting the same kind of treatment that you are, and we cry, unfair! That's not the way that it's supposed to be. Well, what is it about the human condition that we're content, we're excited about something until we find out someone else is getting the same and we cry, foul, that's not right. Jesus speaks to this and addresses his disciples, who his disciples during Jesus' earthly ministry are an accurate picture of who we are. He speaks to them about this very issue as he tells a story of those who are going to be entering into his kingdom. And the disciples are going to ask him in just a little bit, when we get there, can we sit on the right and your left side? Will you grant that to us because we're so great? Jesus packages this parable this morning in the middle of a phrase that he has made very famous. And that phrase is, if you know it, is the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Parable is 
two words combined. You can break them down to para and bowl. Combining these two words, one means beside and one means throw. So you put them next to each other, it means to throw or to set beside. So a parable is a story set beside a truth to bring out that truth, to help us to have greater understanding of that truth. And Jesus tells us this story to bring out with a greater understanding what does he mean by the first will be last, and the last will be first. And he's going to show us that Jesus, is gonna, is, his kingdom is unlike ours. It's very surprising, as we've seen already. And if you can grasp this, if you can understand this this morning, it will set you free. Free from all your good doing, trying to earn approval, free of trying to serve God for the wrong reasons. If you can wrap your mind around this this morning, it will free you up to serve God the way that you were intended to be in his kingdom. Verse one of chapter 20 says, for the kingdom of God is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour, the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. He said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And then when evening came of the vineyard, he said to his foreman, call all the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last and then going up to the first. So we're told a story about a vineyard, and this is probably during the grape harvest, which would have been a very crazy time of the year that required a lot of laborers. More laborers than what you actually had staff that worked in your vineyard, th- your vineyard throughout the year. Now, the vineyard owners would have hired day laborers until the finish of the harvest, until it come to completion. And he goes out into the the marketplace to find laborers to work for the day. And we're told about five waves of workers that are hired throughout the day. Now, the Jewish workday would have been 12 hours, starting at 6 a.m. and going till 6 p.m. The first workers hired at 6 a.m., the second at nine, the third wave of workers at noon, the fourth at three o'clock, and the last at the 11th hour, 5 p.m. People are hired. Now what do these people and the elements of this parable represent? MacArthur gives to us these, what you'll see behind me, and many agree with this. This is what they represent. The vineyard is the kingdom of God. Secondly, we see that the landowner is God himself, God the Father. Believers are then laborers in that vineyard. The work day is service to the Lord in your life. The end of the day, at the end of it, is eternity, and the denarius that they receive is eternal Life. So you see, this is a pretty complex, multi-layered parable, one of those that has many different aspects to it, all meaning something. But most of the emphasis of this parable is on the ones who had worked all day, those that have been hired at 6 a.m., what their attitudes were like, what their heart's conditions were. So we're going to look primarily at them first. 
They're hanging out in the, micro, in the marketplace. They've agreed to work for a full denarius for that day. Now, that would have been a great offer for them as they didn't have regular jobs who go out every day and find new work, perhaps for a week, maybe just a day, but they typically were not paid very well. And here the vineyard owner is saying, I'm going to give you a full denarius, a full day's wage for working for me. That's the same pay that a Roman soldier would have received for his day. So this is a good offer for a day laborer. I've been a day laborer before when I was a young kid. My brothers and I worked in an apple orchard in Ohio, and uh, we were told that for every every bushel that we collected and put apples into a bushel, we would get 50 cents per bushel. Now, a bushel, especially for like an eight-year-old kid, is huge, right? And one day, our best that we ever got was 10 bushels of apples split between the three of us. So we walked out with our greatest ever that we received two bucks each for a full day's work. So this is a really good deal for these guys as day laborers to get a full denarius for what they did. Now the denarius equals eternal life. Now if you notice, it's already offered to them before they start any kind of work. The one that represents God comes out there and says, I'm going to give you a full day's pay before they ever work, before they ever do anything, before he ever sees what kind of worker they are. He offers it to them. Now, this shows us in the same way that when God offers us eternal life, it's not something that we could attain someday if we work hard enough, but when we accept his invitation It's something that we receive fully in that moment to be possessed at the end. That's why the kingdom of God is already not yet. We're already citizens in that kingdom if we believed in the Son, but yet the fullness of our salvation is yet to be realized. So he says, just as John chapter 5 tells us, he says, you have eternal life. You will not come into judgment. You have passed from death into life. Those who have believed... So they're not working for something, but working for what they already have, what's already been promised to them. And all these parables, they're theocentric. That means they're all about God and what he's like and what his character is like. So what does this tell us about God is that he loves to bring people into his kingdom. He loves to draw those who are looking and those who aren't into be workers for him promising them a bright future to people who don't have work, to people that are undeserving. He says, come, work for me, not because, you, of what, because of what you're going to already receive, which you already possess right now. So God goes and he finds people to bring into his kingdom. Aren't you glad for that? Because if, if God didn't come out and find us, we would never find him. None of us seeks after him. None of us desires him naturally. We have to have rebirth from the spirit of God. And that's the way it's always been. Think about Abraham. Seeking God? No. Worshiping idols, Joshua tells us, and God comes and finds him. What about Moses? No, he's hanging out in the wilderness. And what, so he's thinking, well, I'll go light this bush on fire and somehow I'll summon God down to get his presence into this bush. No, he's hanging out. He's thinking it's all done. All of a sudden, that bush is on fire. He's like, oh, check that out. Moses, it's me, God. The apostle Paul, 
going to persecute Christians, gets stopped by God on the way and is converted to Christianity. I think about my own life. I was saved at vacation Bible school. All I was thinking about that week was a pool party at the end of the week. And then halfway through that week, God says, nope, I've got other plans for you. And God found me, brought me into his family, brought me into the kingdom and showed me my need for him in your own life. You think about how you've been brought in. It might feel like you were looking for it, but God was drawing you all along. And perhaps you're here this morning and he's drawing you. He's saying, listen in. I desire this for you. I'm coming after you and I want to bring you into my kingdom. We'll soon find out that not only does God seek us out, but he loves generosity as the story goes on to tell. And he continues to go and hire workers for his vineyard and then the end of the day comes. Now Jewish law has said you always pay at the end of every work day so that people can go buy food that they need in order to survive for the family at the end of every day. So they all come, line up, starting with those who came in last. Look at verse 8. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those who those hired about the 11th hour, each of them received a denarius. Now those who were hired came first, they thought they would receive more, but each of them received also a denarius. So look at this, okay? They, they thought they would receive more, but each guy, those that came in at the 11th hour, the last hour of the day, they lines them up, and they're looking, and they put out their hands, the guys that come and work at five o'clock till six o'clock, and they get a full day's pay for one hour. These different waves of time represent people and different workers who come into the kingdom of God at different times. Some people come in at a very early age. Some men come in in, their, in our way of thinking, in our timetable, very late, although it's exactly the way that God wants it to work. You think about the thief on the cross who came in at the very end. That's what we say, that person came in at the 11th hour the very end of the workday. Now this parable is not talking about rewards that Jason was talking about last week that believers will receive when they enter the kingdom of God. We will receive various rewards based upon how we worked for God here on earth. So these two lives are connected, but that's not what it's talking about here. This is not speaking of receiving rewards in the kingdom of God, but the reward of the kingdom of God. And that is Jesus gives a full denarius to those who only worked one hour. This shows us, listen to this. In the kingdom of God, there are no second-rate citizens. In the kingdom of God, there are no second-rate citizens. It doesn't matter what time you came to know Christ. All that matters is that you did. And God says, you are equal in my kingdom. Yes, we will have different responsibilities in the kingdom to come, but we all have an equal inheritance in Christ. Peter tells us in the book of 2 Peter, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ. So there he is. He's an apostle to those who have obtained equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what's he say? We have equal standing with who? The apostles. 
you and I, before God, not because of what we've done, it's because of the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have equal inheritance with those that have walked and those who have written, seen Jesus, and eyewitness and have written scripture to us, equal standing with them. And maybe you're thinking here, man, I feel so second rate. Everyone knows so much more than I do. You're not second rate. You were brought into the kingdom of God just like everyone else was who's been in it for a while. And we need you. We need you. That don't, don't, don't think that just because someone has been in the kingdom of God for a long time, that automatically makes them godly. No, you who've come in now can set the standard for godliness. Just because you came in late doesn't mean that you are second rate. We had a man here that came to Sailorville Church just a year ago. Mike Nemmer is a distant relative of our pastor. Diagnosed with cancer several years ago, and he came to know Christ last May, baptized last July. Thought he, he ran into a guy from our church, a member here, started coming to church, got into Bible study with pastor, thought that he could earn salvation on his own his whole life, and this is what he found out to be true in his story. He started asking me questions about whether I was saved or not. And to me, I said, no, I don't know if I'm saved. I think that's God's plan. I don't know. And he says, I will show you. And from that point on, we had Bible studies. And on May 3rd, I broke down in tears in his office. I prayed to the Lord let him know that I am a sinner and that I have uh, accepted him full-heartedly as my Savior. Amen. And from, thank you. Mike, just a year ago, trusted Christ. And just this last week, a few days ago, entered into the kingdom of God. Full inheritance along with all who have believed in Christ. He is not second rate. He was welcomed along with everyone else who trusted not in their own righteousness, their own good doing, but in the righteousness of Christ and faith alone in him. Jesus continues now, and he begins to address those that weren't brought in just recently, but those that have been in the kingdom of God for quite some time. Those who were disappointed with this story as they heard it in verse 10. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour. You've made them equal to us. We have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. He says, Ah, they're watching, right? And they're handing out the denarius, and they're at the end of the line, the guys that are sweating it out, right? They're leaning on their shovels. They say, Oh, my, did you see what just happened? They gave the guy that's been here an hour of full day's wage. We are going to make it rich today, brothers. They're fist bumping each other. They're having a great time over what they're going to receive, and it comes down to them, and the foreman puts the same exact payment in their hand as everybody else. Are you kidding me? 
is so unfair. We've been working our tails off out here, sweating it out, and you give us the same pay as the guy who just showed up. Look what the foreman says in verse 10. Verse 12, saying, verse 13, excuse me, but he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or you do, do you begrudge my generosity? And here Jesus says again, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. The foreman calls him friend. This is not a, a close relationship, but more of a business associate. It's the equivalent of saying, bro, are you serious right now? Is that really what you want to try to do right now is complain about what you agreed to? saying that that's unfair for me to show and use my resources how I want to do it? Isn't it interesting we all cry for justice when we've been wronged, but not when we're the ones that receive mercy? Oh, that's very fair, very fair. But when we've been wronged, it's, I want justice. Give me what I deserve. Oh, no, friends. You don't want what you deserve. We deserve to drink the cup of God's wrath for all eternity separated from him in hell. That's what we deserve. And yet Jesus says, I'm giving you the promise that I've already uh, promised to you, the forgiveness of sins and the opportunity to inherit life. And Jesus knows this struggle is the reality of some Christians. That's why he, he shares this with us. And let me tell you, listen, this is not a struggle that I used to struggle with that now I have a full handle on, right? I'm a pastor, so now I don't struggle with things anymore. No, this is not a past tense struggle. You know that. You're like, yeah, this guy, he's, he's still got a lot of struggles, all right? Uh, this is something that still, God is working on me in my life, that I'm working through. And as I studied out this parable over the last week, God has made me stop, think, and act. He's thought about, Brad, what about you? How do you respond when these things happen in your life? And I thought about from this text and from the word of God, what kind of things are helpful to me to think about when I feel like God is not being fair? And it's being fair to other people, but not me. And this is what God brought to me from his word, and I hope that it brings a blessing to you as well. The first one is thank God often for your boring story. Thank God often for your boring story. Now, some people say, listen, nobody has a boring, convers a boring conversion story. Well, that's America creeping in a little bit, right? And telling you that everybody's equal. But actually, yes, some people, like myself, have a very boring conversion story. Now, I'm not saying what Christ has done is boring, and it's not a miracle that I was brought into new life, but the events of how it led up to it, compared to other people, are very boring. But let me tell you this. 
when God chose to bring me into his kingdom and you, if he brought you in early on, oh man, what a privilege that is. What a joy that is. And we need to get over ourselves and say, okay, so I'm never gonna be asked to share my story at an evangelistic outreach. Who cares? You know, what a you know what's not a boring story? Listen, you know what a not a boring story is? Is someone who came to know Christ early on and continued with him, walked with him, not perfectly, but persevered until the very end. Stop being prideful because that's what it is. It's pride. It's sin. Stop making it about you. Stop making it about me and be so very grateful that God has brought you in. And guess what? You can, if God has brought you in now, you can work ahead in the kingdom of God. You can look at the syllabus and know what's coming. This is what Timothy, or what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 8. He says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So you can't take your bodily training with you. Some of you are like, thank goodness for that, right? You can't take your possessions, anything else that you own, but what you can take into the next life is your godliness. You can be ahead in the kingdom of God, of knowing Christ with all that you have in this life so that when you do come into the fullness of his kingdom, it's let's go, let's do this. It's not starting over with a clean slate again once you get to heaven. It's carrying over from this life right now. Working ahead, drawing near to Christ in intimacy. Secondly, I ask myself, I ask, I ask myself often, why do I serve Christ? Why do you serve Christ? What's your answer? If you see others being used and they've been in the kingdom of God shorter than you have and you become envious, you're serving Christ for the wrong reasons. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 15, the angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner repents. Do you? Do you rejoice along with the angels or do you say, that's not fair, that person is getting recognition and I am not. I've been serving God faithfully. All these years been sweating it out and nobody says good job to me. Well, are you serving God because of what you can get from God or because you want to get more of God? That's why we serve him, not so we can get more stuff from him, so that people can say, wow, great job, but because we want to know God more. I was gone for a week and a half away from my kids. I was with my wife for a part of it, and I got home from uh, this time away, and I said to my daughter who was sitting on my lap, hey, did you miss daddy? And she looks up at me and says, no. <laughs> I was having way too much fun. <laughs> Why did you ask that? You set yourself up for that one, right? But in honesty, Many of us can say that's why. Did you, are you serving the Father because you enjoy spending time with the Father and serving Him? Or are you just looking for what's going to bring you 
the most, what you can get from the Father, rather than knowing him. And then you find as you serve the Father for the right reasons, you get everything that you're longing and you're looking for. Not complete satisfaction in this life, but full enjoyment of knowing that's what you were made for. Instead of saying, wow, I wish that I had something, a cool story like somebody else, you say, wow, thank you, God, that I get to live a life of meaning and purpose the joy of serving God with my whole life. Oh, I wish others could have the same joy that I have. Thirdly, ask God often, please restore to me the joy of my salvation. As David said after he sinned, this was his prayer in Psalm 51. Did you notice in this text that the workers were so thrilled to be hired at the beginning? They were so pumped about the payment that they were going to receive. It wasn't until they were tired and started comparing themselves to others and saying, that's not fair. When they started looking away from Christ, the author and perfecter, the finisher of our faith, they started looking to other people. And we need to pray and ask God, take me back. Take me back to where I didn't care about anything else. That all I knew, I knew I I needed you. Restore to me the joy that I once had when I came to know you the first time. I remember that. I was eight years old and I was sitting on a set of steps during vacation Bible school and everyone was playing outside and I didn't care. I knew I needed Jesus. I cried out to him. And I'll pray, God, would you take me back to those stairs? Not to live in the past, but restore unto me that joy of knowing Christ is all I have and he's all I need. Get back and ask God to bring you into that joy of his salvation. Respond and care. Share that salvation with other people that you come in contact with who aren't in the kingdom of God, who don't know him yet. But did you notice the phrase that made the, the workers that showed up at 6 a.m. so angry? They said, you made them equal to us. Yes, that's the whole point. None of them, none of us deserves anything. We are all equally lost Dead in our trespasses and sins. You can't be more dead than someone else if you're dead. Equally lost. And if salvation was by work and merit, then we could cry unfair. That's not right, but it's all by grace. Nothing that we could do. And we have to see that I am as deserving of God's wrath just as someone who's lived a whole life of rebellion and came to know Christ later. That Jesus Christ, when he bore our sins in his body on the tree, my sins were on his body. And oh, I might not have rebelled outwardly as much as somebody else, but I have in my heart. And God the Father's wrath over the sin that he hates was turned away from me and placed on the Son, Jesus, 
All the sin that I deserve to absorb myself, eternity in hell, Jesus took on the cross until there was no more. Oh God, would you restore me to that joy that I knew, would you restore me to understanding that every day that I am just as undeserving as anyone else. And I must believe that Jesus willingly laid down his life and took my place. That the only one who was worthy sacrificed himself for me so that I could have a full reward. He offers that to us. See, God owes us nothing. Nada. And yet he offers you everything in Christ. Owes you nothing but offers you everything in Christ by faith alone, by trusting in Jesus. Now maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, oh, it's too late for me. I can't get in now. It is the 11th hour. That's not what Jesus says. He says you get in now and you come boldly and you receive the same inheritance as everyone else. And you know, if that's the case, it's not by works because you wouldn't have enough time to live a good enough works to outdo the other stuff you've already done. It's all by grace. So won't you trust him and believe the promise that he gives you a full reward before you work? And let that motivate you, those who have received it, that I'm not working so that I can get more from God, but because I already possess it in the end and now. God in heaven, Father in heaven. God, I thank you for grace. God, I thank you for the many stories that are represented in this room. People who have been found by you in grace, had their hearts awakened to believe in you, to trust you, at every stage, some as some young children, some as teenagers, some in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe even today, some in that, case, in that same category. God, would you save some today? Would you bring some into your kingdom? If you're not a part of God's kingdom, that is, you haven't believed in the Son, Jesus, you haven't had your sins forgiven, you've never believed that Jesus Christ died and rose again in your place, Would you trust him right now? Receive a full inheritance from God. Believe with all that you have, just like Mike did. Had no idea, but he repented of his sin and trusted in Jesus for salvation. Believe if you're out there and you're thinking, oh man, I'd spend myself constantly looking at the generosity and how God is working in other people's lives and it's all about me and what I can get. Repent of that today. Ask God to be thankful for the story he's given to you. Ask him to restore to you the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within you. God, we thank you. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand, let's sing together about Calvary.